Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Well met, fellow adventurer. I'm still searching for the seven cliffs, glyphs of Cladden Wook. Last time I was told to go towards the ruined city of Tarn to find the next piece. Now, I'm going to go out and assume it's not going to be in the city itself because that would require people to do an entire massive dungeon to find it. And that's just going to be awkward. And also lock, up, lock out a lot of lower level characters. So instead, I'm going to do the other places. I'm not going to do the nearby boulder strewn hill. No, I'll start with the sheltered hollow. The small hollow is deeper than it first appeared. And offers you a sheltered and relatively safe place to west. A grey-bearded man lies sleeping at the edge of the hollow, his head propped up against a rock. Oh dear, sleeping on a rock? And his weather-stained blue hat pulled over his eyes. The man, after a fit of loud snoring, mutters something inaudible that does not wake up. Oh, I have the option to wake the sleeping man. I don't know why I'm doing that. Maybe he knows about the stone. As you step towards the sleeping man, he suddenly springs up and draws a short sword. Eh, I guess he's a pretty light sleeper then. Tipping back his floppy blue hat and fumbling with the weapon he shakily pointed at you, he demands that you state your business. Sneaking up on a man to cut his throat while he sleeps requires some explaining, he snarls. I'll kill you where you stand before I'll let a murderer get the best of me. The grey-bearded man, his attire bearing the unmistakable signs of a long hint in the wild, accusingly glares at you. Look, look. The man, still shaking, takes a tentative step towards you, weaving his sword around in an erratic manner. Realising you need to somehow convince the grey-bearded man that you mean him no harm, you begin calmly explaining your reasons for visiting the sheltered hollow. Alright, picking a number. Bonus is 71. 20, 41 from Diplomacy, 20 from Aura, 20 from Mind, 20 from Spirit. Alright, yes, Aura from Noticing thing, noticing how he's reacting, Mind for figuring it out, and Spirit for just being a charismatic sort of person, I guess. Picking now. 107. The man listens thoughtfully as you attempt to assage any lingering misgivings he may have regarding your intentions and your sudden appearance in the hollow. The man, still shaking, takes a tentative step towards you, weaving his sword about in a laughable manner. The man seems largely sceptical by your explanation thus far and takes another step towards you. With no desire to resort to violence, you continue to try and assuage his fears. 
Alright, same check again. 87. The man listens thoughtfully as you attempt to assuage any lingering misgivings he may have regarding your intentions and your sudden appearance in the hollow. Alright, the man, still shaking, takes a tentative step towards you, waving his sword about in an erratic manner. The grey-bearded man halts his slow advance, and you begin to discern a change in his attitude. Despite this positive development, you continue to work towards allaying any lingering doubts he may have. Same trick again. 108. The man listens thoughtfully as you attempt to assuage any li lingering misgivings he may have regarding your intentions and your sudden appearance in the hollow. The man, still shaking, takes a tentative step towards you, waving his sword about in an erratic manner. The man seems almost ready to accept what you've told him and starts to lower his sword. Okay, I've, ne I've nearly got enough, enough points, I guess. Continue with your diplomatic tactics, hoping to win his trust with just a bit more effort. Same trick again, pick now. 74. Alright. Same results last time. 32 experience to diplomacy. At last, with the bearded man only steps from where you stand, your diplomatic efforts pay off. Clearly affected by the calming words and non-threatening demeanour, the man returns his sword to his seat and offers a heartfelt apology. I think my time in the wharf has made me a bit too suspicious, he says, reaching up to adjust his large blue hat. Well, I'd best be off before the day grows any shorter. I've no liking for wandering around these parts in the dark. The man walks back to the spot in which he is sleeping and retrieves a le leather satchel, which he hoists over his shoulder. As he does, a tear in the bottom of his pack widens and a flat, rounded grey stone slips out onto the ground. Glowing blue glyph, the insignia of Cladenwok, adorns the walk. Your pulse quickens as you lock your gaze onto the third of Cladenwok's glyphs. Yes, that's the effect it has on folks, said the bearded man taking notice of your profound interest in a stone. Go on, you can have it. It'll be a real weight off my back to have it have that gone. Wears on you that piece does. Not in any natural way. There's some devilry in it to be sure. Go ahead, you can have it. Take it. Without hesitation, you thank the stranger and step over to the marked stone. As you reach down to pick up the stone, a sense of dread washes over you. The bearded man, as if having felt the sensation, begins slowly backing away. You instinctively shrink away from the stone as a swirling black portal opens several feet to your left. Your sensation of dread, even stronger now, claws at your resolve as your eyes are drawn to the inky, churning core of the vortex, picking a number. Bonus of 60. 20 from mind, 20 from aura, 20 from spirit. So... This is all, it's a mind check. It's all about staying sane. 128. Your eyes shut, your body trembles, and your mind floods with an incomprehensible jumble of thoughts as you struggle to stave off the fear, saving your psyche. As the terror abruptly ends, your eyes fly open, 
and your gaze is again transfixed by the churning core of the inky portal. The portal slowly widens and a strange hypnotic hum issues from its swirling core. The fear that grips you is almost paralysing, making it difficult for you to concentrate on anything else. Same check again. Pick now. 129. Your eyes shut, your body trembles, and your mind floods with an incomprehensible jumble of thoughts as you struggle to stave off the sense of fear paralysing your psyche. As the terror abruptly ends, your eyes fly open, and your gaze is again transfixed by the churning core of the inky portal. A low rumble issues from the portal as flames suddenly surround the shadowy edges of the sinister gate. Framed in the centre of the churning vortex, darkening the inky fabric of the portal itself, is a hulking, vaguely humanoid silhouette. You tremble involuntarily as your sense of fear deepens. Still, same check. 97. Your eyes shut, your body trembles, and your mind floods with an in- incomprehensible jumble of thoughts as you struggle to stave off the sense of fear assailing your psyche. As the terror abruptly eggs, your ebbs, your eyes fly open, and your gaze is again transfixed by the churning core of the inky firewind portal. The fire around the whim of the portal suddenly blazes with renewed intensity as the dark figure begins to emerge from the core of the vortex with your heart pounding. You close your eyes and struggle against the fear, now threatening to completely overwhelm you. Same check again. Pick now! 132. Your eyes shut, your body trembles, and your mind floods with an incomprehensible jumble of thoughts as you struggle to stave off the sense of fear assailing your psyche. As the terror abruptly eggs, your eyes fly open and your gaze is again transfixed by the churning core of the inky, fire-wimmed portal. You instinctively shrink away from the stone as the, swir- as the swirling black portal opens. Swirling black portal opens several feet to your left. Feet to your left, a sensation of dread, even stronger now. Claws at your resolve as your eyes are drawn to the inky, churning core of the vortex. Same check again. 96. Your eyes shut, your body trembles, and your mind floods with an incomprehensible jumble of thoughts as you struggle to stave off the sense of fear assailing your psyche. As the terror abruptly ebbs, your eyes fly open, and your gaze is again transfixed by the churning core of the inky, fire-wimmed portal. 32 experienced the general. Gasping, you sink to one knee as the portal suddenly closes. Leave behind no trace of itself or the shadowy figure at its core. Weary from exertion, you struggle to regain your breath. A flash of blue light to your left draws your gaze and you turn around to find the stone-bearing Cladenbrook glyph still lying on the ground. You pick up the flat, rounded stone and tuck it safely amongst your other possessions. After waiting for several minutes to see if the bearded stranger in the large blue hat will return, you begin to make your way out of the hollow, but as you near its edge, you freeze in your step. Scratched onto a bare patch of earth at the very foot of the path that climbs out of the hollow is a single word. 
dragon wrath. And if you look at the glyphs, the glyphs tell you where to go next. So, so yeah, so you can carry on even if you say stop doing this for a few weeks, which you probably shouldn't do, considering you have a death X on you. Even if it probably doesn't work, do you really want to take that risk? And also, if there's people trapped in a very bad situation, you should probably help them out as quick as possible. All right. To Dragonwrath next. You immediately suspect that the bearded man who ran out after attacking you must be who scrawled the message in the dirt. Realising that Dragonwrath almost certainly refers to the silver mining settlement of that name, situated on the northeastern edge of Barrowlock. Keen to see if the strange clue leads you to the fourth cliff, you decide to tra travel to Dragonwrath as soon as possible. After taking one last look around, you climb up and out of the hollow and set out from the ruins of the sorcerer's city. Alright, let's leave Tarn. Alright, I'm going to the other side of the kingdom. I've went from the northwest corner to the southeast corner. I literally could not travel any further. Well, maybe you've looked at the map, you could travel further, but that's about as far as you can go. Unfortunately, it only took me a few seconds. Well, it took me a few seconds. It probably took Zoop weeks. And presumably, he did, on the way, he did several of the other adventures that have already been recorded. Perhaps, because I'm pretty sure the way you record, the way you play them is not the order that the adventures actually happened. Which is why you can stop in the middle of a Proving Grounds adventure. I've never done that myself, but you can. Can stop in the Proving Grounds adventure and uh, do 50 other quests and then come back to the Proving Grounds immediately afterwards. Mm. That's just how it works. To Dragon Wrath. Oh, well, we, we've been here, I've been here before, so I could read the town description. Actually, I think I will. Perched on a spot of high rocky ground, the edge of the forest is the northeastern on the northeastern shoulder of Barrowlock. Dragonwath is a thriving settlement with a particularly sordid past. An ancient silver mine, long the source of the town's enviable prosperity, is famous throughout the world for its seemingly endless supply of the precious ore. Despite its favourable reputation, there are those who contend a seedy and dangerous element is at work in Dragonwrath. Some have suggested that the town's protector, Luok Thumbrek, is at the heart of a well-concealed underbelly. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he did... We've done a couple of quests for him, and he doesn't... I think... Yeah, I think... Yeah, I can't tell. I mean, he does think the town... He does control the town way more than you need to to just, you know, run a mine. Yeah. But he's not... It's not 
I mean, he's not, he's not, he's not leaving trails of corpses, so. Okay, so where could we go? Hopestone Inn. Leave the inn. Thornbeck Mercantile. Leave the Mercantile. Dragon Wrath Smithy. Leave the Smithy. Forest Lord's Paleo Den. Investigate a small room off the main hall. Is that it? This small room just off the Paleo Den's main hall contains several chair, several tables and numerous chairs. Most of which in at least somewhat disrepair. Alright, leave the Paleo Den now. Alright, uh, Cinder Hall. Suddenly. Okay, yep, yep. Alright, I had to go everywhere, but something's turned up. Suddenly, while making your way towards Cinder Hall, you spot a woman in a green cloak leaning back against a wagon, her piercing gaze fixed on you. Curious, you warily make your way over to her. Remaining mindful of your surroundings and her possible intentions. Didn't expect to see you here quite so too soon, she says, tossing long golden locks of her thick fair hair back on her grey left shoulder. I know what you've come here seeking, and you can have it. But only if you can prove you're worthy of such a piece. The woman, those advancing A's, Aid has done little to her, to affect her striking beauty, draws out a flat, rounded stone from a pouch at her side and holds it out towards you. The blue, faintly glowing insidia of Haddenwalk adorns the stone. The fourth glyph, she says, placing the stone back into the pouch. It's important to collect them in a proper order. So far you've done that. We, sh we really shouldn't waste any time. Shall we have our little game? Okay, what is this game? So I can ask about the game, agree to the game, or just ask her to give me the stone. I don't I don't think that's gonna work. Asking her to give me the stone. Okay, I'll ask about the game first. The game. She scoffs. Shaking her head in a look of incredulity spreads across this game. It's most certainly not a game. So you're ready for a little game? Oh, oh, oh. Okay, what? What? Da. Ah. Puzzled, you carefully consider your spots. Okay, I'll agree to the game. So we shall play, he says, smiling. If you do well enough, you'll win that which you've come here to cry. If not, there will be. Ah, oh, but why worry about that? The woman tosses her hair over her white shoulder as she warily glances about. Alright, we're safe. Let's begin. As previous, as previously, as previously, the cloaked woman speaks slowly and presents you with a challenging logic riddle, again stressing, stressing there are consequences for incorrectly answering it, taking care not to overlook any of the details she's provided. You endeavour to come up with the correct answer to the riddle. Alright, picking a number. Bonus of 60. 20 from mind, 20 from aura, 20 from spirit. It's all, it's a cleverness check. All about being clever and observant and wise. Alright, got to get 75 or more or something bad will happen. 
108 success. The woman smiles and nods when you confidently speak the answer to her widow. Let's have another go, she says. Speaking slowly, stressing words of obvious import, the cloaked woman presents you presents to you a difficult logic widow and indicates, in a somewhat sinister manner, manner that there are consequences for de- the giving an incorrect answer. Taking care not to overlook any of the details she's provided, you endeavour to come up with the correct answers of the second widow. Alright, picking a number. Bonus of 60. Gotta get 80 or more to avoid consequences. 124. Success. The woman smiles and nods while you confidently speak the answer to her widow. Let's have another go, she says. Speaking slowly, stressing words of obvious import, the cloaked woman prevents you a formidable logic widow and indicates in a somewhat sinister manner there are consequences for giving an incorrect answer. Taking care not to overlook any of the details she's provided, you endeavour to come up with the correct answer to the third widow. Same deck again, but I've got to get 85. Pick now. 87. Failure. Woman sighs and shakes her head, leaving no doubt that you've just incorrectly answered her widow. That's unfortunate, she says. Your first wrong answer. So we continue? Yes, let's keep going. Speaking slowly, stressing words of obvious import, the cloaked woman presents to you an extremely challenging logic widow and indicates, in a somewhat sinister manner, there are consequences for giving an incorrect answer, taking care not to overlook any, any of the details she provided. You endeavour to come up with the correct answer to the fourth widow. All right. Bonus 60, got to get 90. Pick now. 99, success. I've got 99 problems, but solving this riddle wasn't one of them. (laughs) The woman smiles and nods when you confidently speak the answer to her riddle. Let's have another go, she says. Speaking slowly, stressing words of obvious import. The cloaked woman presents you a supremely difficult logic widow, indicates in a somewhat sinister manner that there are consequences for giving an incorrect answer. Taking care not to overlook any of the details she's provided, you endeavour to come up with the correct answer to the fifth widow. Alright, picking a number. Got to get set 95 now. All bad things will happen. Pick now. 132. Success. Woman smiles and then nods when you confidently speak the answer to a riddle. Let's have another go, she says. Speaking softly, stressing words of obvious import, the cloaked woman presents to you an impossibly complex logic riddle and indicates in a somewhat sinister manner. There are consequences for giving an incorrect answer. Taking care not to overlook any of the details she's provided. Endeavour to come up with the correct answer to the sixth riddle. Alright, picking a number. Got to get a hundred this time. Eighty-two. Failure. The woman sighs and shakes her head, 
leaving you no doubt you just incorrectly answered her riddle. That's unfortunate, she says. Your second wrong answer. Shall we continue? Yes. Let's keep going. Speaking slowly, stressing words of obvious import. The woman presents to you a presents to you the logic a logic riddle indicating a somewhat sinister sinister manner. There are consequences for giving an incorrect answer, taking care not to overlook any of the details she provided. You endeavour to come up with the correct answer to her riddle. I've got to get one hundred and five. Pick now. 114. Success. Woman smiles and nods when you confidently speak the answer to a riddle. Well, you seem I'm all out of riddles, she says. The woman bows deeply and congratulates you on her ability to answer her riddles. It might not seem a bit odd, she says. But if you only knew what lies behind this business, hidden in the shadows... There is much more to all this than the petty squabbles of dabbling sorceresses. Sorceress. She screeches into her pouch on her left side, draws out the glyph marked stone and hands it to you. There we are, the fourth glyph of Claddenwook. We're more than halfway there. Whoa, and now we're living on a prayer. You're about to thank the woman for the stone when a pool of dense, unnatural gloom suddenly takes form round her. Before you draw your next breath, she slumps into a motionless heap on the ground. Her cloak form rapidly dissolves into a thin, black puddle that melts into the stony earth. Alright, this is just getting weird. I mean, we've had... We've had shape-shifting animals, we've had women that have melted, we've had... People that just appeared. We have words that were written with no obvious source. Oh, yes, lots of weird stuff happening. Moats into the stony earth. As you're about to leave, a small child suddenly runs up to you, smiling and waving. Immediately wearing, you politely mimic the greeting, which elicts a griddle. And the young girl, have you ever been to the Eye of the Sea, she asks. I heard about it, but I would like to see it. It's very far away. I don't think I'll ever go there. Bye. With that, the child scampers off, rejoining a small group of other children rushing to answer their mother's call. Realising the young girl has likely given you a clue to the location of the next of Claddenwork's glyphs, you decide to immediately set out from Dragonwath. As you prepare to leave town, a strange sense of despair passes over you and cast your gaze about the mining settlement, which appears eerily and inexplicitly desolate. With that, you begin making your way out of Dragonwath, praying that the weather will hold as you embark on the long trek to your next destination. You can't help but wonder what a return to Port Halleck holds in store. Alright. Yep, and, the, and if I look at the glyphs, they tell me it's time to go 
to the Eye of the Sea in Port Halleck. Right, Northern Tysha, Port Halleck. Which is just about the only thing there. I mean, maybe we should put more stuff in Northern Tysha. In, in, I mean, eventually. There's no, there's no pressing demand, but eventually. Well, we ex we ex we had a little look at Tys at this place in the last episode. Don't need to read the description now. To the eye of the sea. The eye of the sea is a massive eye-shaped rock seated atop a tall mound of earth that overlooks Port Hallett Cove. It is said that the eye was raised from the depths of the cove by a powerful spellcaster many years ago. Now a piece of local folklore. It's come to believe the eye possesses mystical powers and it watches over the vessels that leave Port Hallett to brave the open wonders, waters of the Sundering Sea. Kneel in prayer before the eye of the sea? Suddenly, as you kneel in prayer before the eye of the sea, your heart nearly skips a beat when you spot a small, familiar marking adorning the base of the monument. One of Cladenbrook's glyphs! Okay, I've been to the Eye of Sea a lot, and I've never noticed that before. The blue insignia of Clatterwood. It's like, are people putting them there? Putting them in place? Before sending me off to get them? Maybe, maybe. The blue insignia of Clatterwood. A trio of eyes, over which arcs a bent arrow. Is emblazoned on the edge of the block of stone. That serves as the eye's footing. Without warning, the symbol flares a brilliant shade of blue and vanishes. Mystified and dismayed, you return to your feet, only to be suddenly aware of someone lurking to your right. You instinctively spin to your right and assume a defensive stance, only to find yourself looking upon on a dark-haired young woman clad in a hooded tunic, her hands planted on her lips. The woman regards you with a quizzical look as if attempting to gorge your intentions. It's about time you arrived, she says, though her demeanour doesn't suggest annoyance. I've been waiting for a very long while to be rid of these. I'm sure you know what they are, or the very least, what it is they look like. I have to believe you're toting about four of them, isn't that right? Before you can respond, she reaches into a, into a pocket on her tunic and produces three flat, rounded grey stones, each bearing the blue insignia of Cladenwog, and holds them up for you to see. Ooh, three at a time. That's convenient. I've been told you're seeking these, he says, waving the stones about before placing them back into a pocket. You can have all three of them. But no, these aren't real. They only serve to represent what you wish to acquire. I will help you find their actual counterparts. The young woman reaches out towards you with both of her hands and asks you to take them. Clasp my hands and we shall begin. What will be the end, she says. It will be the end for me. But for you, there will still be all that is ahead. Please, take my hands. Driven by an overwhelming urge to comply with her request, you gently take hold of her outstretched hands. The instant you grasp the woman's hands... Her face becomes enveloped in a dazzling white glow that obscures its features. She adjusts her grasps and squeezes your, your hands with a startling amount of force through her voice. 
which issue from somewhere beyond. The glaring light remains unchanged. Neither Githeria nor Gladdenwook are what they seem, she says, further tightening her grip on her hands. They are darkness and light, vile and flat, fair and vile, real and imagined, never and always. That which was forbidden was pursued to disastrous ends, all the while ignoring the magic in the very mist. Enchantment begging to be notices. Their prisons are of their own making, yet I cannot bring myself to judge them. They were spiteful, but compassion tempered their less virtuous trace. Obtain the last three glyphs, and, and you sh- you'll possess the means to set them free. To set us all free, if it should remain. And your desire to do so. Yes, it does. They made, they made one, they made one mistake two hundred years ago. Okay, a series of mistakes. Okay, a quite uh, a series of quite large mistakes, and then one huge mistake. But they, whatever they, they have paid. More than enough for that, and there are people there are people involved in this who had nothing to do with it. They should be freed. They should, they by any moral standard you set should be freed. And by most moral standards, free Glyferia and Cladenpook as well. And you can't choose. It's it's all or nothing. So all of them free. All of them. Because I'm a hero, and that's what heroes do. Suddenly, the woman's grasp lessens, and her hand slips free from yours as her voice begins to trail away. The last three stones are in the keeping of my... A man in Twithic, she whispers. The Blight is the self-proclaimed Lord of the Adderstone. Find him where the lost may become hopelessly so. And bring all this to the end. Look not upon his flaws. And do not fear him. For his spirit remains pure. Despite the weathering of his tortured soul. With that. That a brilliant flare of white light. Consumes the entirety of the young woman's form. Its intensity forcing you to cover and avert your eyes. When the blinding glow has faded. You turn to find the mysterious woman is gone. Alright. You search the area immediately surrounding the eye of the sea, but find but find trace but find no trace of the young woman who vanished in a flash of white light. As you stand staring up at the towering monument, you clearly were for call her final words. The last three words last three stones in the keeping of my a man in Twithic. The Blight is the self-proclaimed Lord of the Adderstone. Find him. Where the lost may become hopelessly so. Realising your chance to acquire the last three stones bearing Cladenhook's glyphs. Lies in, in Twithic. You resolve at once to set out for the Adderstone. To begin your search for the Blight. Alright. I'm back in this main part of Port Harlech. 
Northern Tausa, Western Tausa, City of Twithick. Uh, I'm gonna save now. Okay, is it? Uh, is he in the plotting hog radio then? Uh, order some paleo. No, 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 no. Obviously, he's not there. That's a, that's a recent addition. So he couldn't possibly be there. Explore the city. All right, Blade Square. Is there nowhere where someone lost could become hopelessly so? The marketplace. No, nothing here seems to help. Lost. Become hopelessly so. Northern part. All right. Gramble the Russell House Grambling Tour. Russell House Grambling Hall. I mean, you could become hopelessly lost there. Nestled in the sea, seedy heart of one Twithick's most majestic districts, the majestic Russell Grouse seems oddly out of plate. The top turreted towers atop which fly an abundance of long, multi-covered banners from each height that dwarf many buildings that surround the notorious gambling hall. There's usually a crowd waiting to enter the hall, where gold falls freely as wine, as the wine and ale it readily serves its patrons. A set of massive wooden doors, guarded by no less than a dozen fully armed men serve as the public entrance to the Wassled Grouse. Seek to enter the Wassled Grouse. One of the guards informs you the gambling hall is currently closed. You learn that a gruesome murder has recently taken place inside the hall. And Fane Poland has ordered the establishment closed while the matter is being investigated. And as you notice, this is, and at the top, this is section 814. So this investigation has been going on for 17 years. Yeah, yeah, that's presumably that's just going to keep happening. And there's no real call to open it up. Maybe sometime, maybe not. Who knows, who knows. Suddenly... As you step away from the gambling hall, you catch sight of a man lurking in nearby alley, signalling to you furtively by waving his white hand. Intrigued but wary, you close, slowly make your way over to him. You have every sense alert for the first sign of possible danger. Well met, stranger, says the dark-haired, middle-aged man, his bony shoulders draped in a tattered grey cape sewn, sewn to his ragged tunic. Have a coin for poor old beggar? The man's face, a widdle of scars and seeping sores, grins broadly as he shakily extends his cupped hands. Uh, have a gold token. You attempt to hand the wagged man a gold token. But he quickly withdraws his cupped hands and shakes his head. Be better off wagering that gold than giving it away to the wretched, he says, turning to his side and spitting. The poor don't run. know what to do with it. They'll use it to acquire food and prolong their miserable existence. Leave them to what and the whole unsavoury sea of them will soon be sorted out. Repulsed by both the man's appearance and demeanour, 
you boldly inquire if he is known as the Blight. He immediately straightens himself up, takes a step back, and narrows his eyes as his lips curl into a hideous sneer. Suddenly, the man's sneer melts into a jovial grin, and he begins dancing about, his arms and legs flailing as if to the rhythm of silent music. A fit of coffee <coughs> abruptly curtails the strange outburst, and he spends the next several moments regaining his breath and composing himself. Yes, I've been called a blight. I've also been called the blight, if you're inquiring. I was also, also also been called names you wouldn't be able to pronounce. You haven't the tongues for it. But there's no shame in that. After all, we've only just met and they already like you. Can't say that about most of those I meet, which is quite unfortunate for you. Yes, I'm the blight, but we needn't stand on ceremony. It's just blight. Please, I insist. You haven't met my father, have you? The man steps to his left and peers around. Round, round, round you at the guards stationed outside the rustled house. Immediately begins moving further along the alley and beckons for you to follow. Though immediately wary of the strange figure, you find yourself oddly drawn to him, keen to prevent him from coming to harm. You cautiously trail after him as he strolls along the alley. After covering nearly 20 yards, Blight suddenly halts and turns back to face you, his eyes twinkling as his cracked, diseased, addled lips, forming just a hint of a smile. This is it, he exclaims, twirling on his heels and throwing his hands to the sky. This is where the King of Trithic holds port. The city never knew a wake like me, and never will again. Here comes Blight. Step aside for blight. Give the dice. Give the dice the blight. Throw down the cards for blight. As he continues to wave. Your quick to note blight's faint smile has been twisted into a hideous snarl. Scowl. Not all days are happy ones, he says folding his arms and towing the ground with the tattered remnants of a boot that still cling to his foot. You make promises and some souls see fit to forgive you. Make other promises and some return to collect. I've met the forgivers and the collectors. I think I know which of them is worse, but I can't swear to it. Have you seen my sister? She was just here. She'll be back. Discarding his apparent ramblings, you ask the Blight if he knows anything about glyph-marked stones, holding up one of those in your possession for him to see. Yes, 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 he stammers. I know all about those. I had three of them at one time, but the collectors took them. One by one, they took all three. If, if you can get them back, you can have them. They're a nasty lot, though, the collectors, that is. I'd say you're better off forgetting those stones. Or letting me fetch them for you. I know how the collectors work. I have the advantage in that regard. Blight tells you that if you prove yourself by besting him in a game of cards and dice, he will do what he can to acquire for you the three stones held by the collectors. It's the only bargain I'm willing to make, he says. I wouldn't offer it at all if I didn't like you so much. 
Have you, have you been, have you seen my cat? Usually he doesn't stray very far. You'll like him. Also a wat. That's more to your fancy. Blight grins expectantly. So I can agree to the bargain or refuse. Well, I've recently saved, so I can refuse. Your refusal abruptly turns the man's grin into a scowl. He spits and feeding curses. The bargain's already been made, he starts. Now you're Joe getting the short end of it. You'll play our game and you'll wager your life for those stones. I'm sorry, but that's how it is. Play the game just like a collector. As as Blight steps closer, you attempt to move back, only you just discover your feet are some rooted in plates. Even demons have demons, he says, reaching into a pocket, sewn into the inside of his cape and drawing out a grimy set of calms. I wasn't always quite so tortured, so vile in thought, so wretched of station. I was the king of Trithic, and the former king decrees that we shall have our wager. Unable to move from where you're standing, you watch as Blight begins spreading at your feet a selection of cards from this grimy deck. Our game will be Dragon's Larder, he says, leering up at you from his crouched position. Do you know it? There will be two to follow this one, but Dragon's Larder has to be first simply must. Though you have an extensive you played it, you're familiar enough with the well-known card game to believe you have a chance at winning it. Unless your opponent isn't playing fair. Don't worry yourself, says Blight Scarling, as if he's just read your mind. Our game will be a fair one, and that's the end of any notions to the contrary. The former king of Trithic thinks fairness a virtue. Booted in place, with no option but to engage Blight in the game of cards, you stoop down and wait to be dealt your hand. In Dragon's Larder, the first player to reach 1,000 points is the winner. Neither you nor Blight have yet scored any points. Seven for you and seven for me, says Blight, his sore-widdled face, bearing an inscrutable expression as he looks over his splayed, Secret hand of cards. We're tossing dragons and keeping the swords. Father knew to toss the dragons. His sudden mention of the obscure wall, perhaps due to the shortcomings of his hand, catches you off guard, but ultimately does little to affect your strategy. <laughs> yep, yeah, of course. Those words mean nothing to me, because, well, it's a game that doesn't exist in our world. It exists in Zoop's world, and he's probably quite familiar with it. Right, picking a number. Bonus of 86. 20 from Mind, 20 from Aura, 10 from Luck, and 36 from Thievery. Hmm. That's an odd combination. It's an odd number for it to be. 36? Yeah. I mean, it's not half the Thievery number. It's not quarter. It's a different... Yeah. Well, I'll pick now, anyway. 145. As you and Blight both play the la- your last cards, the ragged man curses. When it's revealed you won the current hand by a score of 145 to 99. 145 to 99. 
with neither you nor Blight having yet reached a total of 1,000 points, the cards are collected and shuffled to prepare the next hand. Here's the next seven, says Blight, rapidly dealing dealing you, you your next hand of cards. I think I've got, got you where I want you. But the cards will tell the tale. You carefully study the cards, making up your hand as you contemplate your next play. Same check again. Pick now. 139. As you and Blight both play your last cards, the wagged man curses when it's revealed you've won the current hand by a score of 139 to 77. Hmm. If he can get a low as low as 77, then he must have worse stats than me. Or he's doing a different sort of stat check. He could well be. I'm guessing it's the same, but... Yeah. Yeah, who knows, who knows. With neither you nor Blight having yet reached a total of 1,000 1, points, the cards, cards are collected and shuffled to prepare for the next hand. Here's your next seven, says Blight. Rapidly dealing you your next hand of cards. I think I've got you where I want you. But the cards will tell the tale. You carefully study the cards, making up your hand as you contemplate your next play. Picking a number. Same check again. Pick now. 152. With my score, 138. For eight for him. All right. 246 to 314. Alright, we've not reached a thousand. We play again. Alright, same check again. 153 to 146. Alright, I've got 589. He's got 450. Alright, I'm pulling ahead quite a lot. Uh, here's your next seven, says Blight. Rapidly deeming you your next hand of cards. I think I've got you where I want you. But the cards will tell the tale. You carefully study the cards, making up your hand as you contemplate your next play. Alright, same check again. Pick now! As you and Blight both play your final cards, the wagged man grins when he's discovered he won the current hand by a score of 133 to 112. Oh no, he won around, but I'm still ahead. 701 to 583. With neither you nor Blight having yet reached 1,000 points, the cards you've collected are shuffled to prepare for the next hand. Here's the next seven, says Blight, rapidly dealing your next hand of cards. I think I've got you where I want you, but the cards will tell the tale. You carefully study the cards, making up your hand as you contemplate the next play. Alright, picking a number. Bonus of 86. It's the same check again. Alright, 154. As you and Blight both play your last cards, the Wagged Man curses and revealed to you that you've won the current hand by a score of 154 to 60. Well, I totally whooped him this round. The current score, 855 to 643. With neither you nor Blight 
having yet reached a total of 1,000 points. The cards are collected and shuffled to prepare for the next hand. Here's your next seven, says Blight, rapidly dealing you the next hand of cards. I think I've got you where I want you, but the cards will tell the tale. You carefully study the cards. Cards making up your hand as you contemplate your next play. Same Jack again, pick now. 126. As you and Blight both play your final cards, the wagging man grins when he discovered he's won the current hand by a score of 131 to 126. Your current, my current score is 981, and his current score is 774. I am going to win on the next play. It is guaranteed with neither you nor Blight. Having yet reached a total of 1,000 points, the cards are collected and shuffled to prepare for the next hand. Here's your next seven, says Blight, rapidly dealing you your next hand of cards. I think I've got you where I want you, but the cards will tell the tale. You carefully study your hand. Yep, same check again. Pick now. 110. As... As you and Blight both play your final cards, the Wagged Man grins. Winter discovered he's won the current hand by a score of 170 to 110. My current score is 1091, and his is a pathetic, tiny, puny, mean, eeny, weeny, insignificant, bit, 944. You've now reached a total of 1000 points. Making you the winner. 32 experience to general. Blight leaps to his feet and hurls the remainder of his hands of cards at the ground. Frowning, he mutters several curses and accuses you of cheating. Before you can respond to the accusation, he shakes his hand and waves his ha- and waves his shakes his head and waves his hands of his decounting what is just said. One must remember to attain dignity, even in defeat, he says, taking a deep breath. Mother always told us that. I've never forgotten it, because she so often repeated it. Even the king of Twithick can be beaten in his best game. Well played, well played indeed. As you stand up, you suddenly realise you're no longer being held in holding place. Yes, yes, you're quite free to go, says Les Blight, his demeanour notably dull. Oh, yes, the stones. I did say you'd get all three of them. I suppose I did. We all know that a wager is a wager. Well, that's how it is, and it is. Here they are. The collectors have given them up. He reaches into the pocket inside his cape and retrieves the, th- the three glyph mark stones. I don't think there were any collectors. At least not for those. After briefly examining each of them in turn, he hands the stones to you. I've just got three glyphs of Glaftenbrook. And bringing the total to seven. The collectors didn't want them anymore, he says. Silence me to think it came to that. I don't even know what he's talking about. Blight collects the cards and places the assembled deck back into the inside pocket of his capes. You've got the marked stones, he says. 
and you've met all of us, but I urge you not to judge us based on what you've seen. We're not what we were. And what we are is what we never, we never became. Ragged man points to something behind you, and you turn to find yourself confronted by a startling and bewildering sight. Standing just inside the mouth of the alley is a collection of people and creatures you've encountered while gathering cladrifles glyphs. From left to right, your eyes pass over the wag-clad man and the well-attired young boy from Port Halleck, the grey fat cat and the wretched black wat from Talonus, the bearded man from the hollow near Tarn and the woman in a green cloak and the young girl from Dragonflest, and the dark-haired young woman you encountered at the eyes of the sea. Suddenly, Blight appears in the midst of this group and politely weaves his way to the fore. I present to you our little gallery of wandering souls, he says. We were spawned out of loathing and hatred, out of passion misplaced and mistakes preventable. But that can be rectified. Remember, I like you. We all do. Not just because of who you are, but because of what it is you'll see fit to do. As Blight takes a step forward, separating himself from the group, the young girl from Dragonwath, the tot who asks you about the eye of the sea, flashes you a glowing smile and briefly scraves. The collectors have been paid, says Blight, his breathing suddenly eleven. There is, at last, silence in the shadows where the wary seek to sleep. Please, understand, the anger must end. For its consequences have been dire and far-reaching. Beyond all anticipation, Blight turns and waves his hand at the group assembled behind him. You, you see before you, before you six, including me, he says, looking at you. But we are only two. You can count. We can count Stormcloud and Fang, if you like, because we have always counted them. That makes four. Yes, we are four. Blight steps to do the, join the group and bows deeply as the thick po plumes of white mist wise out of the ground to conceal the gathered figures. Several moments later, the fog dissipates, revealing only a young boy and a girl of approximately the same age. The boy cradles a fake, fat grey cat, while the girl gently holds a large black rat. One day I'll be king of this city, chirps the lad, stepping towards you and regarding you with a resolute god. Resolute nod. Have you seen father and mother? Do you know them? Something happened. Something with the magic. Now I don't know where they are. Can you help us? Please, help us, says the girl, stroking the rat's head as the creature nuzzles into her shoulder. Mama promised to let us see the eye of the sea, but father said it's too far. Maybe it's closer now? Both the boy and the girl take several steps back and, still clutching the animals, they obviously hold dear, politely bow. The boy, whom to this point you've known only as Blight, 
introducing herself as Verlon. Following his lead, the girl tells you her name is Brimia. I've been told they're in there, says Var, pointing towards something behind you. You have to be careful. It looks dark. You turn to find a large black portal several feet away, spinning the entire breadth of the alley. Alley, the gaping vortex, its inky core emitting a low hum, evokes an immediate and profound sense of despair. As if driven by instinct, you draw out the seven glyph-marked stones. Viri and Bralabia step up to your side, their eyes fixed on the portal. You have to go in there, says Varm, struggling to hold on to the squirming cat. But if our Greenbow and I will wait here. We don't, ha- we don't mind waiting. We've been waiting a very long time. If we don't mind, please find them. But only as they were. How, how you can see them is how we have always known them. You can change what has been. That is what the stones will let you do. Father knew this. Please, go. The children, both sobbing, warmly embrace you before stepping back towards the mouth of the alley. The gazes of both Vilmar and Bramia, as well as those of Stormcloud and Fang, are frozen on the magical gate. Drawn by an irresistible but indescribable urge, you nod to the children, then turn and step up to the portal. As you move to within arm's reach of the portal, you glance black along the alley, but the narrow, rubbish-strewn corridor stands empty. There is no longer any sign of Vilar or Bremiach. Confused, beset with a mix of emotions you are unable to comprehend, you turn back to the portal, drawn towards its inky core by an urge you feel powerless to resist. Still, well, admittedly I have that urge for most portals, so no change there. Still clutching the glymphmark stones with your heart pounding, you stride towards the churning ball of the magical gate, and are immediately swallowed by a frigid darkness. And that's it for today. In the next episode, we will find out just what is beyond that portal. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.